this one's for Micah. Pour one out. Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Podcast, the show where we take a given genre and explore the good movies you love, the bad movies you hate, and those ugly movies that, well, what exactly is an ugly movie? Anyway, let's talk about it. Hey guys, I'm Mark. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles, and uh, that's Mark's voice you heard, as he just said when he introduced himself, but we talked about that last time too. Uh, It was a very sad episode last time. Uh, It's Micah's last time. Um ever co-hosting it so it's uh mark is going to be joining us uh it's more of an audition he doesn't know it yet so if, if you don't ever hear from him oh again God. oh my gosh if you don't hear from him again then you know he went it off. didn't go well it went off to that corporate you know, looked great, at the ratings and they're farm. way down yeah <laughs> what ratings <laughs> i think you're the only person besides dr mike that listens to us <laughs> And now I'm the co-host. I'm not even. I'm not even sure that uh, you just lost an audience just member. Decreased by half. I'm not even sure that uh, Mike is going to listen anymore. <laughs> but here we are anyway. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, we had wanted to talk about kind of do a reset on what an ugly movie is and how each of us defines it, and that'll give a chance for me to introduce myself a little bit as far as my philosophy on the good, the bad, and the podcast. Yeah, because I think uh, we've kind of got away from ugly movies, like, in the sense that I think Micah, Kelly, and I all had different views of what made an ugly movie. So I'm kind of wanting to just make sure we're all on the same page again. Kelly's being really quiet over there. She has a new microphone set up. We're hoping she sounds better, but... Ironically enough, she's not speaking much today. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll I'll get back into it here. Well, Kelly, what do you what do you consider ugly? So, okay, to me, ugly is it's unintentionally funny. It's trying to be serious and and something non comedic, but it ends up being funny anyway. It's 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 really a so bad it's good. It's kind of a guilty pleasure. Something that b- because of the fact that it makes you laugh in spite of itself. Uh, there's just something that keeps reeling you in, and you could rewatch it and rewatch it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how I look at it. So we're not gonna go with Micah's definition, which is that it's kind of a flawed movie, but it has some good qualities to it. Well, so in my opinion, good is completely fully realized. I think you used that term last time. Uh, and I actually look at good as being like the best example of that of the genre. Yeah. Um, Bad would be, for me, bad is unwatchable. Like, you don't want to watch it again. When you see it once, you can just do without it for the rest of your life. But ugly, there's something about an ugly movie that keeps you going back. It's not art. Like, it's not a great piece of cinematic art. But there's something compelling. It's like that fast food restaurant that it's just horrible food, but there's something about the secret sauce that just makes you keep going back to it again (laughs) and again. Is Santa Claus an ugly movie then? (sighs) See, Kelly said it's so bad it's good, but I have a, there's a difference between watching a movie ironically because it is so bad, which I feel that's what Santa Claus is. But it's I, I've seen it a lot. Right. I mean, but like... I think you watch it ironically, <laughs> and you don't watch it because you enjoy something compelling about like I don't know. It's hard. It's. Uh, you know, I had this well, argument with Micah a long time ago. He kept calling it ugly, I kept calling it bad. But the truth is, it is kind of a guilty pleasure because I've gone back. You know, if you're watching it ironically, I mean, it's like The Room. I mean, The Room is definitely an ugly movie, right? Yeah, The Room is like the quintessential ugly movie to me. 
Mark doesn't agree. I don't know. I gave it to him for See, his that's... birthday one year, and <laughs> and then they hadn't seen it, and it's like you know. Well, we were watching it with some family members, yeah, and the yeah. first scene is like a is like a quasi sex scene. Yeah, with someone, like, it, thanks, Charles. It may have been my wife Kelly, but someone was like, "You remember that time that you gave Mark softcore porn for his birthday?" <laughs> True story. <laughs> so, yeah, there's the like room... there's like six sex scenes right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> The thing about the room is, is it does have that secret sauce quality that you're talking about, Mark. You know, there's something, and don't read into that, Charles. I, I regret that comment immediately. But well, I, I was just gonna <laughs> um, say it's mayonnaise. That's all the secret sauce is: mayonnaise and ketchup. I guess when I say so bad it's good, I don't mean so bad that it's legitimately good, but so bad that it's so bad that you enjoy watching it, as opposed to so bad that you hate watching it and well, never want to read this I, I like it again. The, I like the idea of being a guilty pleasure. If we, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. It's All something right. that keeps you going back. Yeah. To it. And so. No despite its badness. Something. Right. So are we saying that a good is the best and bad is the worst? Or we just want to say they're good and bad examples of that genre? I think as close as you can. I always struggle with superlatives because it's like, okay, I, I haven't seen every example of any genre. Right. You know, even the ones I love the most. So I just feel like I can't really say this is absolutely the worst if I haven't seen every single one. And there's no way you can watch every single example of every genre we talk about. Oh, we try. I mean, we did with Daniel well, Craig we, Bond we, movies. Yeah, we did. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> We're Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah. Although we didn't mention the Ewok movies, but we've seen them. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Guilty pleasure keeps you going back. Whereas bad... You would never want to go back to it. There, there's no right. reason yeah. to go back to it just because it's... And bad movies are usually really boring to me. Right. That's right, the right, thing. Right. Their right. pacing is terrible and... Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So on that note, let's start with our picks. This time, they gave me the opportunity for my first uh, broadcast. And first, let me just say I'm honored that you asked me to come on and, and have this audition. <laughs> Which apparently it is now. I'm now nervous. That's a joke, guys. That's a joke. That's a and, joke. Uh, he, he really is our... You're, you're killing it so far, Mark. So, thank you. So, we are doing M. Night Shyamalan movies. Which was... Uh, which was He picked this, by the way. I just want to... Yeah, these we, are my picks. Yeah, yeah. 100% Mark's idea. So, what, why would why did you do that disclaimer? Well, because I the, the way you the worded it, it almost sounded like we gave you that... Pig, like kind of thing and i just wanted to know it's not like it was a blind audition and i haven't seen any of these movies yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. i just wanted to be like <laughs> no no mark, mark is you know all right so my picks in order are signs 2002 starring mel gibson lady in the water 2006 and the happening 2008 so i am gonna guess signs is your good uh the happening is your bad, and Lady in the Water is your ugly. Okay, Charles. I'm gonna guess signs is your good. The Lady in the Water is your bad, and the happening is your ugly. All right, we, so fl- we flip those right. The last tension, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so we'll start with signs. It is indeed my good pick, uh, which is usually a good sign if you can guess the good one. If you're not in agreement on that one, I feel like it's <laughs> well, for my genre. They yeah, you did it wrong. People never know when I have y'all ever picked the wrong one for your good. I think so. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they. Mike and Kelly probably have for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I was, well, I've got to say this is a little shocking because I think most people would say The Sixth Sense or Unbreakable would be yeah, his yeah. best. So, well, I, have, I had thought about that, and okay, so 
this movie for me is is personal. I had a really great history teacher at, in high school, my in my um, I think junior year, and he actually did something a little bit uh, uh, non-standard to say the least, which was he would give us grades, and this was like an AP IB class, like. Uh, you know, the serious students, not me, but my friends in the class were serious. And uh, so he would give us grades that were movie titles and then not tell us the numerical grades assigned to those wow. assignments. Wow. And the top grade, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, was Signs. And he was a huge M. Night Shyamalan fan. And so this is kind of one of the reasons I picked these because in high school, this was, you know, one of my favorite directors to go and watch. And we went and saw Lady in the Water as a class as well. And we'll get to that story in a minute. But, uh, so for me, this one truly, and he was, he was a deeply religious man too. So that's, that's probably why he held this movie in such high regard. But when you talk about a movie being fully realized, uh, and I love that term because everything in this movie to me fits exactly what Shyamalan was going for. Um, and for those who don't know what happens is throughout the movie, you, you find out that Mel Gibson's wife has passed away, has died in a car accident. And as a result, he has lost his faith. He was a pa- he was a preacher, and he lost his faith. And throughout the series of events in the movie, uh, his daughter leaves his his maybe three year old daughter or four year old daughter leaves water around, and she always gives this kind of neuro- neurotic reasons of you know it's dirty or it tastes funny. Uh, his brother, Mel Gibson's brother, uh, was a baseball player, and we hear the backstory at one point that he always would just swing at every pitch because it felt silly not to swing. And the baseball mat is mounted on the wall. And I'm getting goosebumps, like even talking about it now, and, and which may sound funny. And then his son, Mel Gibson's son, has asthma. And he's ha- he has a couple of panic attacks throughout the movie. So what ends up happening is, at the end, Charles is laughing. And I want to talk to him about that in a minute. But what happens at the end, <laughs> the aliens attack. And, uh, and there's an alien left over at the end of the movie that attacks this family. And he grabs this young son with asthma and sprays poison into his face <laughs> charles come on man this is great this is great writing here he's over here laughing i'm just sitting here and so <coughs> mel gibson is standing there the aliens holding his son this is the pinnacle climactic scene spoiler alert and he has a flashback to his wife who is who is pinned up against a tree in the in this car and talking to mel gibson and god has spoken through her uh, and, you know, is giving him these instructions. And Mel Gibson originally thought it was just synapses firing in her head and that it was, you know, that it was just nothing and that, that life is pointless. And so one thing, one of the things he tells him is for uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character to swing away. Swing. Swing away. And so as they're standing there, Joaquin Phoenix is, of course, standing right next to his bat. He grabs the bat, swings away, and hits hits the alien. Uh, and it turns out water are the, is the alien's weakness. And so there are all these weapons and throughout the house that the daughter has left around for that purpose. And the boy's asthma has kept the poison out of his lungs. And so all of this comes together and renews Mel Gibson's faith at the end. And uh, and so, you know, to me, everything leading up to it, you know, it's it's such a well-written plot, whether or not you agree with the fact that, you know, God kills your wife so that aliens can come and renew your faith later. You know, when you put it that way, it does sound silly. But but just, <laughs> I don't know, every time I see that, that climactic scene, I... I get emotional, I get goosebumps, and it's like, I don't know. Okay, so Charles, tell me why I'm wrong. What? <laughs> That's loaded. Um, no, I I don't I don't hate this movie. I just, the, the part you're describing that you love is the part I like the least about it. Like, I, I don't know, plot convenience. Um, 
it's you know what it's like and and this is gonna sound almost like blasphemy which i'm not actually talking about religion which is interesting for this discussion but um harry potter especially like chamber of secrets how it's like the the um fox you know the um Dumbledore's pet, uh, they're like, oh, the tears, and the they can lift weight, and the yeah, tears, yeah. and if, and it all, like, oh, yes, because you mentioned that at the beginning, it comes true at the end, it's like full circle, and I just, I just, but, well, you you could look at it the other way around, though, it's like they, they mentioned it at the beginning because they knew they were going to go back there. I know, but that's like, so, such a, I mean, it's, I don't know, I just, it, yes, they do, but it, I get that it's all about faith, but as you said, this you know, if okay, if that's all orchestrated that way and so perfectly, why couldn't God have just made her not have a car accident to die? begin with? Yeah, yeah. And why are the aliens there? I mean, just... and we're getting into some deeply philosophical. I, I know, I know, questions. but I'm saying, I'm saying, but it's like but... it's like the movie's trying to have it both ways, right? Like, and I don't, I, I don't know. The stuff I do like about the movie, um, I think there are some really great, intense, scary moments, um, and I think that's where Shyamalan really excels. Uh, for instance, the uh, the, the news footage scene um, where they're not, you don't know where the alien's going to come from. And then you just cross the camera. It's really scary every yeah. time it happens. Um, uh, I, you know, and he always has to make a cameo like Hitchcock. And I actually kind of like his cameo in this one because, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I, I do, I do like his character in this one a little more. And I, um, and I, I really do like a lot of the scenes in it. Um, but again, the whole, everything coming together at the end, just that doesn't work for me. And that's, that's why I laugh, because well, it's like, I wish that could be better and written better and more, I don't know. I think that's Shyamalan's deal, though. Like, I don't know what word to use to describe it, but his plots are all very, I don't know what you'd call them. And as we discussed, they're all, they're, it's almost like they're... Circular. They're not nuanced, realistic movies to me. You know, in Unbreakable, Bruce Willis is a superhero. You know, he's trying to bring the superhero right. genre into a movie. And in The Sixth Sense, it's, you know, over-the-top horror and... and. Uh, but, I mean, even that, that twist ending about Sixth Sense, I don't think... That's not the entire movie. I mean, the movie isn't really even about that. Okay, so let me tell you some of the other things I like about this movie, too. Because the plot isn't isn't the main... Okay. I think I think his... I think one of Shyamalan's uh, best traits as a director is casting. I don't know if he has a he, he has somebody that does that for him or if it's him because I think in most of these movies, except for one of my picks, Suspense, uh, the cast is great. I mean, I love every actor in this movie, um, and the tone he sets throughout is is perfect to me. The music, um, it's uh, James Newton Howard. If I'm if I'm not, I believe incorrect. so. Yeah. yeah, James Newton Howard. I think does almost all of his movies. Uh, from the very beginning, the credits, it's all of the credits are, the opening credits are the music and the credits flashing onto the screen. And I remember sitting in the theater and already being suspenseful because the music was so great and they didn't have to do any visual. Yeah. Um, Insidious is like that too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, and so we have the opening scene and Mel Gibson, they, they go out and discover the crop circles. And one of the first lines is the daughter saying, are you in my dream too? And so, like, he sets this whole this whole movie up as if it's somebody's dream, and it, it's completely surreal. There are these signs showing up, and, and these obstacles showing up, and and all the, these things are happening. And I feel like that almost makes it okay, makes the the convenience of the plot. Like, 
this isn't real life. This isn't really how God works through most people's lives. I think most people can say they don't have these experiences where, you know, they've realized, oh, my dog does this because this happened and this happened in this one moment of my life. It comes together. But it's a metaphor for, you know, what the message he's trying to explain. You know, so, and anyway, that's... I get it. Take. No, and I see that. And I, I yeah. And, um... And Kelly has not said much on this. Kelly, what do you think? Signs. <laughs> well, I, I disagree with you, Charles, actually, because I don't, I don't think, um, it, it didn't read as convenient to me. It seemed like he was very purposeful with everything that he was doing. And maybe, maybe you find that cheesy or like, maybe it's, I don't know, but I don't think it was necessarily like lazy writing. I think he definitely thought through every little point and he was like, oh, and these all little rabbit trails will all connect later on. And, um, I don't know, but as far as what I thought about the movie in general, I liked it a lot. I I, I did. I didn't love it. Um, some just some little certain scenes just didn't quite land for me, like when he, um, when Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix were, uh, when when the alien was on their roof and they were like making plans to go outside and chase it around, and uh, <laughs> and then there there was a whole thing about Mel Gibson not knowing how to curse, and yeah. so then he was, like, running around and, like, I'm cursing now, and <laughs> some of that seemed to, like, the, the, the humor was a different tone than I was expecting it to be in the, in the movie, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I, I liked it. I would give it probably, like, a B plus. Which oh, wow. one's your uh, favorite Shyamalan movie, Kelly? Uh, the Sixth Sense, probably. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, you guys are wrong. So yeah, apparently. So there. Yeah. Well, he is a master of suspense. I mean, this whole movie and Sixth Sense, you know, ha- has you on the edge of your seat, literally. Yeah. Um, like almost no other movie I've seen other than maybe The Grudge. I think. Have you all? I saw that in theater, and that was intense, intense. But anyway. I uh, I feel like after this movie, everything kind of goes downhill for him because I feel like seriously, <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Sixth Sense and Breakable Signs. And I actually haven't seen uh, Wide Awake, but I've heard it's really good. Um, but yeah, and so... Well, one thing I was going to mention before we talk about how he goes downhill, <laughs> because he does, and he's had a really interesting career, but he, as an... Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm an English teacher, and so I've, I've learned to read closely and look at details, and one of the things, actually, that my, my teacher I was talking about mentioned to us was M. Night Shyamalan's use of, of small details. And so at the opening of this movie, um, the first, I, I believe it's the very first shot draws in through a foggy window, the upstairs window where Mel Gibson wakes up and, and hears the scream, I think, and goes out. And at the very end of the movie, we zoom out through a broken window, but you can see clearly. Um, and so, you know, he's had to have this crisis in order to see clearly. He's had to have something break in order to see to see more clearly. Yeah, they say the um, the first and last shot of a movie should tell you right. a lot of the oh, plot. Yeah. In fact, there's a video out there I think that shows that mm-hmm. that shows Th- the opening clip. Yeah. And yeah, and like um, I mean in college we would often watch like the first 30 seconds of a movie and you should be able to kind of I don't know, in some of the best ones it really sets up the plot like where everything's going. Right. And in at the beginning of this one you also see the cru- the outline of the crucifix where he's taken it off the wall. And at the end, he's replaced it with covered it with pictures of his family and his and his late wife and um, and, and in the and sixth, he's doing his collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the sixth sense, um, 
the color red is very prominent is really prominent throughout color symbolism and well even in this movie he and I didn't catch it until I watched it for this podcast they're watching the they're watching a news scene and one of the newscasters says may god be with us all and that's when you see this this internal you see it zooms on Mel Gibson's face and originally I had just thought it was him thinking about the aliens coming and, and getting ready and preparing but it was that comment about god being with us all and so I, that that struck me like oh I hadn't even caught that it seems like Everything in this movie is is well chosen, and and there's nothing extraneous. I think, I don't think there are any scenes you could say that didn't need to be right, in there right. that that you would have cut. Right. So anyway, all right, <laughs> let's move on to my second pick, 2006, The Lady in the Water. This is my bad pick. Charles is right. Ah man. Well, to I will say, Mark, I had. I, it was really hard to tell between these last two, which was the bad, which was the ugly. It was kind of a toss-up for me. It, it, it gets to what I was saying earlier. I, I feel like this movie is boring. Yeah. It's so slow, and it's just, I don't know. There's no payoff. And one of the things that struck me was that in the happening, say what you want about the happening, but I remembered a lot about that movie. When I written, was reading the synopsis, just to remind me, I rewatched it later, but I was reading through to remember what happened. I was like, I remember that, I remember that. Going back and look, watching Lady in the Water, I didn't remember any of this stuff, and there was no need for me to remember it. And it's so bad. <laughs> it is okay. So uh, let me dig up the synopsis here, if you can. <laughs> I don't. I mean, well, they tell you at the beginning of the movie what it's about. Um, so we went, like I said, as a class to see this uh, with that teacher of mine, and <laughs> I remember at the end of it, we were all like, "What just happened?" <laughs> He, t- he told wah, us everything wah. that was going to happen at the beginning, and then it all happened. And and I hate his cameo in this one, Shyamalan's cameo. Well, I He's think the writer. Could... He's going to save the world. I think writing. this gets to the heart of M. Night Shyamalan. I think this it reveals him a little too much that of what he thinks of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> he may have done it to be ironic, but I don't. I think there is a lot of truth to, to you know, he is this great writer, and his works will change the way people think, and... And it was just like, oh, come on. Okay, synopsis. Apartment building superintendent Cleveland Heap rescues what he thinks is a young woman from the pool he maintains. When he discovers that she is actually a character from a bedtime story who is trying to make the journey back to her home, he works with his tenants to protect his new friend from the creatures that are determined to keep her in our world. And really bad CG. It was bad CG, too. <laughs> To say nothing else. I remember when they were, like, advertising this on TV and they would, like, oh, and now here's a scene from, you know, and it's like, that's it? That's really what this looks like? Well, you know, the disappointing part is that the casting in this movie is still really great. It is. Like, this could have been a great movie. Um, it's got, uh, what's the lead character? Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. I can never remember. Paul Giamatti. I love Bryce Dallas Howard. And I loved, um, I loved the mo- the first Shyamalan movie she was in, um. And the title is escaping me. He only has like six movies out. And I can't. Oh, The Village. Um, I loved her in The Village. And I don't know, just this movie, the 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 script. Well, it was based on a bedtime story he told his daughter. M. Night Shyamalan made up for his daughter. And that's what it feels like. <laughs> it feels like some guy yeah. made up a story for his daughter. And then they spent millions of dollars producing it. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty rough. And it's really like racist and awkward like all the or maybe it's not racist but maybe it's just i was uncomfortable during a lot of the like which, which, stereotypical race humor like which parts in particular were you 
thinking of? Uh, that the girl who like helps him uh, the with her Asian mom who supposedly like knows the backstory, and so I don't know, like all the I I I don't know. I just none of it landed for me. I didn't. Yeah, I get a little bit of that. I, I remember a little bit of that, and uh, but as a as an exposition device to tell us the backstory, that wasn't compelling to me. He just kept going back to the to the daughter and her mother to ask more parts of the story. And there's that weird scene where, like, you need to act like you're a child. And so he, like, yes. lays on the oh bed and, like, gosh. sucks his thumb almost or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is, the weirdest thing what ever. is happening in this movie? And, I mean, of course, and the fact that they just keep getting it wrong, too, was was also not compelling to me that they kept making mistakes and he ends up not being the protector but the healer i'm like so what like okay yeah, how yeah. was he supposed to know they were just guessing to begin with and there's no reason for him to know and and they all went yeah. along with it way too easily yeah it's like really and there's that weird line with the guy that said i wanted to be like a child too and believe but <laughs> i feel like we were missing a scene for that character's backstory but that line didn't land very well and and the other thing that's that's uh, not very characteristic of Shyamalan is the music in this movie was not great either. There's no real theme uh, yeah. theme song that that he wrote. It was still James Newton Howard, but I didn't I didn't feel like the music was good either. So um, I think you can lay the blame squarely on Shyamalan for this movie. Yeah, and his ego. Yep. And it, this I think was the first one after he left Disney. Was it? If I'm correct, he yeah. And I think Disney made a good decision cutting him for this project. Uh, well, I think they had a lot of foresight there. That's kind of like on the movie After Earth, the Will Smith movie. They didn't even market his name at all with it. I mean, every yeah. other movie, they'd say, oh, it's a new and that Shyamalan movie. And then no, After Earth, I had no idea until after it came out. Kelly, do you have anything else to add about this one? Um, No. I guess I would say that, to your point about bad movies, I watched this really recently and i've already forgotten like a lot of what happens like what you're talking about the score don't remember what the score sounded like you know it just nothing about it stuck with you i would agree with with the comment about Shyamalan's ego kind of <laughs> taking over and getting a little too big for his britches but um yeah it was a weird movie well and to his credit the the scene with cleveland healing her uh, where he caught because throughout the movie you kind of learn that that Cleveland's lost either I think it was his whole family because he says you guys when he's healing uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character story and so that that scene left me with goosebumps like he's it's just it's just uh, him and you think he's talking to her and wanting to bring her back and you realize he's saying he misses his family and he says you guys and you realize he's saying good, he misses you guys and not and it's not about her and like that could have been a great scene that could have been you know the yeah. the jewel of the great movie and yeah, that was the only that was the only thing that that stuck and out there's no twist me. ending on this one um too well and i feel like he was trying to get away from it and yeah. i remember i still remember the marketing for this movie was he said it's not a twist he like warned us cuz he knew what was coming and he said this is a going to be a series of paradigm shifts Whatever that means, like, to me that just, it means plot development, like, <laughs> things happen in the movie. And so... But it might have been more exciting if it had a twist. Right. As long as we like the twist. If Bryce. the twist is bad, it'll just... Story, story dies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. All right. <sighs> Which means that The Happening 
2008 with Marky Mark is my ugly pick. Um, which I don't know, Charles, I guess we haven't actually talked about how we know each other, but uh, we actually met at a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch cover band uh, concert. And, uh, that is both, amazing. Yeah, both of our wives were there, and yeah, we yeah, yeah, we were right. we both hated it. So anyway, um, so just a little backstory <laughs> trivia with with the good, the bad, and the podcast there. I didn't know that. That's really yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, so okay, this movie to me is realistic in the way that they portray how people would react to this type of event. Um, and let me describe what the event is: people start committing mass suicide for no reason uh, that we know of, and that. <laughs> Whatever you want to say about this movie, there is something truly engaging about watching people in a big city <laughs> just start committing mass suicide. No, I suicide. actually, I like the, I like like... the concept. <laughs> I really, it's it's freaky to me. I really do like that idea. Uh, okay, I mean, so... the whole thing, in, you know, the thing where they start talking funny and they start walking backwards. Like, I love that he sets up this almost like a Pavel's dog thing. Like, we we know kind of what to look for. So when it happens, it's like, Oh God, a suicide's about to happen. Like, and it, yeah. It, yeah. it's creepy. I do like <laughs> it is that. Really creepy. Hey, let me read a synopsis. Sure. Uh, humanity is shaken into questioning its place in the natural order of things is being at the top of the food chain, an earned right, or just a privilege afforded by grand design, a privilege, which can be revoked in ways we could not have imagined. In the beginning, that scene where the, uh, it was, right after Central Park and it was on the construction site and all you know you panned up to the top of the building and all of a sudden you see all these people like they've heard the, the thuds of the bodies falling around them and then all of a sudden they look up and then they just see this this parade of people slowly jumping off and I mean that that was pretty impactful I'll say like it was kind of kind of creepy and pretty well done I, that's what I'm saying like I the idea of suicide like it's you know especially in our society, it's like still taboo and there's, mm -hmm. it's still kind of a creepy thing and you self harm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I, that, that to me is terrifying in the movie. I truly like, uh, now oh, that's, that's why I think this movie's ugly because I think the idea could have been great. Now cue Mark Wahlberg uh, yeah. and Zoe Deschanel. Well, because why were whole, they cast? That's the, that's my thing about this movie is that, this is the first movie where he makes huge mistakes with casting. Like neither of them, I don't like Zoe Deschanel as an unrelatable character. You know, she's the one. She's the girl everybody loves in Elf, and you know, uh, the new girl. Uh, in this movie, she's like a bad girl, a bad wife who was thinking about cheating on Mark Wahlberg and went and had tiramisu with some guy. And yeah, <laughs> which I mean, happened. Like I know that ha that it's not that does make her evil. But... No, 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 no. I, I get that, but I, but I, but I'm just like. Uh, they're just weird for this movie. I actually like John Leguizamo in it, though. Yeah, I think I do too. It's pretty tragic when he, you know, when he's like crashes the car and then he gets out and he's like oh, slashing yeah. his wrist with well, the glass. It's like, oh, like, that's the other thing about this movie is that you never see any character for more than like twelve minutes. I know, other than the main, yeah. the, the two, the it's, three main. I ones. mean, I really that's what I'm saying. Like some of those sequences are great, and Betty Buckley at the end, like you know, um, smashing her head through the glass and. Creepy, creepy. Really, yeah. really creepy yeah. stuff. She was one of the creepiest parts of the movie, I, I thought. I No, I loved that. I really did like that part. Um, you know, and I, the, um, you know, the casting, yes, but um, I think the, the main thing I have with this movie is the, uh, that there's not really an ending to it, and there's not really a story. It's just, we're blaming, right. we're blaming the, 
the I guess the environment is attacking us. The trees are the bad guy. I really enjoyed your well, texting back and forth. Like by the way, like <laughs> I sent them yes. a video. I'm freaked out, guys, and I sh- shot a video of a tree blowing in the wind. <laughs> I, I do. I think I, that I every time. That. I think that every time the wind blows through the like trees now, after watching that movie for a few weeks, I think, oh no. But even that, it seemed like they never fully realized that. Like they don't even, because this the spoiler. But at the end, they think they're, it's going to happen. They're going to die, and then it just disappears. Right. And then it comes back in a different country. Well, maybe that's. I think that's how we react sometimes to problems. We we react instantly, and then we forget about it. I think maybe that was his, what he was going for was they were talking about it and they thought it was just this fluke. And if it happens again, maybe it'll be a bigger problem. And then, it, of course, it happens again in, in France, I think, or, or somewhere. Yeah, I think it's in mm-hmm. Paris. But you mentioned that nothing much happens. I don't think much happens with these characters. Yeah. Like the end scene where Mark Wahlberg, they decide to walk out together because they get separated at the very end. Yeah. And they're able to talk through this this tunnel, that this thing that allows them to talk yeah. conveniently. Uh, and Mark Wahlberg says, you know, I, if we're going to die, I want to be with you when we die. And that's just so cliche to me. And nothing in that dialogue really kind of popped off of the screen for me. It was all just very no. kind of blase. They they didn't have a good, I, I kind of expected that moment and that conversation to be her coming full circle and being like, it's not so bad for me to show my feelings or whatever her hang up was. But she didn't really have that moment. I mean, she she told, she's they had their nice, you know, oh remember when speech, and then she told the little girl she loved her at the end. But she really didn't have a very powerful story arc, and it seemed like he was in the beginning. It seemed like they were going to set it up for her to ha- have a one eighty, and then she just never did. Yeah. Well, and and I think they had zero chemistry too. Her and Mark Wahlberg. I agree. So. Yeah. Well, and you would think with them being the only two characters you ever see through the full movie, he'd be able to develop them better than that. Yeah. Uh, but they, they just didn't. Yeah. His acting though, Mark Wahlberg's acting reminded me a little of, uh, the planet of the apes one that we talked about in an earlier episode. See, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a terrible one just... too. Yeah. I, well, there, I, I don't know. It's, it's a, I think Mark Wahlberg can be great in the right role. I mean, I think he's fantastic in The Departed and Boogie Nights, but... Yeah, but it just makes it stand out even more when he's bad like this. You're like, ooh. Um, I was going to say, my uh, least favorite Shyamalan movie would probably be The Last Airbender. It's pretty awful. Um, Have you seen it? Yeah. It's pretty bad. But Um, did he write it? He wrote it. Are you just doing written by or directed by? We never said. So, I had been doing written and directed by. Okay, okay. And I so th- I don't actually know on that one, but um, yeah. We had to, we had kind of talked about his career going downhill. So he did this. Well, for, before we talk about that, I wanted to read you this quote from Mark Wahlberg about the happening. Oh, he hates it, doesn't he? Yeah, he said. <laughs> he said, "I don't want to tell you that movie." All right, the happening. F it. It's what it is. Effing trees, man. The plants. F it. You can't blame me for not wanting to try to play a science teacher. At least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. <laughs> Yeah, so he did. He did the last Airbender, then Devil, which I liked. Yeah, he didn't. He wrote it. it. He didn't direct it though. Okay, but I did. I Devil's not bad. Um, then the visit. I have not seen the visit either. I like the visit. visit. Grandmothers. I want to see that. I liked it. We did it for Thirty One Days of Horror last year. So. Well, of course, I read the review. And, yeah, yeah, you loved it. But loved our. But review. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, loved the review. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. But I. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's a. I do think he's a great director, and I'm. 
you know, I'm hoping that he's kind of on his comeback. Um, uh, the Blumhouse, um, they, or is it Bloom? I never know if it's Bloom or Blum. I can't ever say it right. But anyway, so they um, they teamed up with him on The Visit, um, and, and they're famous for doing kind of low-budget independent horror films. And so um, part of Shyamalan's problems is that, he, you know, Lady in the Water was a super expensive film, and it was a flop. And so people were trying to get away from him and distance themselves uh, because they didn't want to lose money. Um, but, like, on The Visit, they... You know, basically, with with Blumhouse, they'll give you a set budget, and it won't be much, but they'll let you make whatever you want to make kind of thing. Like, so he made a found footage movie, and it was actually really good. So I'm hoping he's kind of coming back, because I, I have not seen Split yet. We're going to watch it for this year's 31 Days of Horror, but I've heard it's really good. And uh, and he's making a sequel to uh, Unbreakable coming up called Glass, so really excited about that. But So we'll keep an eye on him for the cool. future. Yeah. 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 I do think he's a really good director, though. He really is. All right. We want to talk about next time. If there will be a next time for me. <laughs> yes, Mark. If you pass your audition, which I feel favorably about that, um, <laughs> we are going to be doing Joan Crawford movies. Okay. So next time, our picks are going to be, in chronological order, Sudden Fear from 1952. Straight Jacket from 1964, and Trog from 1970. <laughs> Trog. You're laughing at Trog already. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. All right. So anything else you want to say, Mark? That's it. Check us out on... It's just awesome.com. It's just awesome.com. <laughs> well, I, was, I didn't know if you wanted to do. I, I don't know. Are we plugging that anything? That was a sweet alley oop, guys. Really, really are we? Good. Oh, what are you? Throw it You're one to talk over here. It's the gaps. <laughs> I'm just. I know. I was like, are you, are you trying to do. Uh, what is well, my, I, try, I actually I tried I tried to think of no 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 I tried to think of what uh, Micah would do in this situation I'm like well how does I don't would e- bust out his guitar and start singing some country well I realize I don't even know how our podcast usually ends right <laughs> like how, how do we end it check us out on itsjustawesome.com <laughs> or search for us on iTunes at Good Bad Podcast and we're still doing here and there James Bond yes after <laughs> we started Eventually. this one over a year ago. <laughs> Uh, what's the next one, guys? Since you're both doing that one, what is the are we on episode six? Doctor No. Yeah, Doctor No yes. will be the next one to be to be posted. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. So. All right. All right. Thanks, y'all. All right. I have a good yeah. one. <laughs>